0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the School of P.E.'s podcast. I'm Chris Miller, and today I got Mr. Obi Ifochi, a P.E. out of Texas. So let's give him a warm welcome. And Obi, if you can kind of just introduce yourself to the audience, we'll get started with today's topic.
1: Yeah, so my name is Obi Ifochi. I've been a press engineer for about three years now. Uh, Went to an undergrad at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, and really enjoy civil engineering.
0: Sounds good. Well, welcome aboard. You know, it's kind of interesting. Today's topic, I saw, and then I saw that you're from Texas. I'm like, what well, the heck? These topics don't go together, but they do. So today we are going to talk about cold weather induced power outage in the state of Texas. So I know that um, I think it was last year they had a pretty big outage. And when I think of Texas, I don't really think of cold weather. You know, I've driven through Amarillo in the winter and it was a little bit cold, but overall, I I think of Texas as hot and humid. It's going to so, be 78 tomorrow. So 78, and I'm sitting here in Ohio at 29. Obi, we're not off to a great start here, buddy. We're about 50 degrees different here. So uh, um, so it looks like you were in Texas during these outages.
1: Yes, yes, I was. Um, I actually lived in downtown, essentially, when the outage hit. And luckily, I didn't lose any power. had power the entire time, had hot water. So I was like a safe haven for a few friends and family.
0: Very nice. Yeah. You know, it's funny as uh well, it's not, well, kind of funny in the sense that, you know, when I think of power outages, you know, I might be without power for an hour or so and I'm miserable. I mean, you know, you, no internet, no nothing. You're hoping that you charged your phone. So I can only imagine what people went through during these power outages because they were lengthy yeah. um, and they happened at the wrong time of year. It was, it was cold for sure. So, which makes it even worse. I mean, you know, you're looking at no hot water, no power overall, um, you know, can you kind of talk a little bit about your experience during this time? You know, you were lucky enough and you were nice that you were able to provide a safe haven for friends and family. So if you can kind of just walk us through your experience, we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. So storm came in, um, uh, you know, we have a lot of warnings, so you don't think much of them when they come, but this one came, it was enough snow and ice to knock out power for a lot of, a lot of Texas. And my, I live about a mile from work, so I walked to the office that morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> very cold. Roads were too, too bad to drive. So walked there. The building had no power, so there was no one there. Doors didn't open. Elevators weren't working, so I went back home. Maybe two days later, they're like, hey, guys, don't come to work. <laughs> Power's out. I'm like, okay, thanks. So they updated two days later. Um, but... I don't know if I was on a hospital grid or something, but just my building had power. Everyone else around us didn't have power. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know how the grid works exactly, but they alternate buildings or something. But
0: interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, you know, that you were lucky enough to maintain that power. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, like, you know, when you... Experience like a tornado or a hurricane, you're you're at least have some kind of a, a warning, mm-hmm. um, you know, letting you know that, you know, that something's coming. That way you can kind of prepare yourself. Um, but with power outages, I mean, you don't see it coming. One minute you have light, then next minute you don't. Um, you know, sometimes when you have like heavy lightning storms or something like that or heavy winds, people kind of maybe anticipate that they could lose power but it may or may not happen. So you may or may not prepare. Um, so what are the factors that lead to power outages during winter storms?
1: Well, I think the case of Dallas, what happened, it was just uh, too much, too much power was being drawn out and a lot of generators weren't winterized. So they were down and out. And you know, we you have a lot of people demanding power, not enough supply. They take power from people, so they have like rolling blackouts um, in our area.
0: Wow, you know, I've I've seen rolling blackouts. Like, you know, I, I sometimes for work I'll travel India, and uh, they'll blackout where you know air conditioning shut off for you know a certain period of time throughout the day. I'm like, holy cow! Hopefully not where I'm at because it's hot. Um, and then you know, and you know, I'm from Southern California too, where sometimes in the Inland Empire, you know, temperatures get above a hundred, so everyone's running their air conditioning. So you know that puts a heavy tax or a heavy burden on these uh, these grids. And so sometimes they'll be like, hey, you know, if if we can't control Our AC usage on our own, then, you know, electric companies or utility companies will be forced to kind of do these blackouts. Um, So they're definitely not fun. Um, But yeah, Texas was a little bit interesting in the sense that. I didn't know they have so many different utility companies, and they each have their own different—I don't know—processes and ways of of handling these. So, uh, but yeah, definitely, I can see that you know everyone's starting to, you know, crank up the heat or use all this electricity that it just puts a, a taxation on these, um, you know, these grids, and then sometimes they just can't handle them, and it leads to these um, to these blackouts or these power outages. Um, you know, one of the things that I found rather interesting was that. You know, sometimes when I see power outages, you know, it's maybe a few hours, mm-hmm. maybe a day. But I mean, some of these people were without power for a long time.
1: Yeah, I had a family member that was out of power for a week. So, oh, wow. No power. A couple of co-workers lost power for three, four days. So it really just depended, seemed like where you lived. If you lived in a fluent part of town. Somehow you had power. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: unless you know who, right.
1: who power in the city.
0: You know, it, it, you know, I mean, like you can like like we mentioned earlier, you don't really have a chance to prepare for these power outages. But and when they do happen, usually they're pretty short in duration so that you don't really have to be prepared to form. But, oh. you know, when you have no power for a few days and, you know, you didn't have the chance to prepare, what do you do? You know, I mean, going without heat in the winter's tough. Um, you know, hopefully you're able to, like you were a safe haven for people. So hopefully people had friends or families that they could go to, but, you know, a few of our instructors for school of PE actually live in the Texas area and, um, they were like, yeah, I mean, even our family and friends were out of power too. So they didn't have that safe haven to go to. Um, you know, sometimes local hotels, not only maybe they have power, but they're booked yeah you know so they can't even take them in so yeah it was a definitely an interesting thing to kind of watch unfold um throughout the um texas area um but yeah it's rather interesting how these rolling blackouts or these burden on the grids just kind of throw things into chaos yeah. um you know since you lived it i'll ask you this question is you know what course of action should people take when dealing with power outages you know especially during the winter what can they do to kind of i guess may, stay the course
1: well, the first thing you shouldn't do is start a fire inside your house. That's <laughs> the number one. You don't want to, <laughs> don't want to die that way
0: yeah, um, I'm with you.
1: But the uh, key thing is insulate, insulate yourself and your home. So find all the winter jackets. And being from Texas, I don't have many winter jackets.
0: Right. But find, out,
1: find all the hoodies and long sleeves. You can, you know, stay in the central part of your house. Put any towels in your doors for any drafts. So insulate yourself, insulate your home and if you can (laughs) invite a bunch of people over you know make that body
0: right right you know it's funny you know we kind of were laughing about hey when you said hey rule number one don't start a fire in the house but i mean it happens happens. i i've read about people i've even heard about people that they bring in like a a charcoal grill yeah you know and then they don't think about i mean they think about oh yeah it's gonna it's gonna produce heat but they don't think about the the negatives that are associated with that so no i 100 agree with you starting to fire or you know don't bring in your charcoal grill and, and and use that indoors either it might sound like a great source of heat but the ramifications are bad so you definitely don't want to do that um but you're right you know um bring people over body heat's good you know but you know being in ohio you, you know, if we lose power, you know, we, we're used to having a lot of heavy coats, we got big winter coats, we got heavy blankets. But in Texas, where you're not used to this cold, you're right, you might not have those winter coats and those heavy blankets. Um, so it definitely makes it a, a lot more difficult out there for that. Um, So what point, you know, even when you're, you know, in areas where you're used to seeing like tornadoes and hurricanes, you know, you see the, the, what is it, the um, National Weather Service, they they send out these warnings and, and a lot of times people don't really listen to them until it's usually too late. Um, so at what point should residents kind of heed those warnings and, and instead of just saying, hey, they're just another time, they're crying wolf, so we'll just ignore it. But when should you be like, well, wait a second, maybe this is something that we should, t- you know, take to heart?
1: Well, this was a tough one for me because uh, growing up, we did tornado drills all the mm-hmm. time at school. And then when we actually had a tornado that touched down near our school. Oh, like, wow. We didn't do anything. We just sat in class. We didn't go through our drills. We learned. So it's strange how we hear the word of service give us these warnings and we just kind of go, uh, oh, they're they're dramatic. They're trying to cause cause riots and get people riled up. But really we should take them into into account. And he he the warnings each time. Because yeah. you never know when that one the lifetime storm is gonna hit. And they told you, hey, get ready, something's gonna happen. And we're like, no, not this time. Yeah you're out you the cold
0: absolutely you know i, I agree with you and, and you know the school like i remember you know i grew up in southern california so we used to do uh, earthquake drills mm-hmm. you duck you cover you get out of debt under a desk and i don't know you do this maybe once a month and uh you know you're thinking okay you're prepared but you're right when it actually an earthquake hit we just kind of didn't do anything that we were taught yeah. or learned and we just sat there and, and like oh Things are shaking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how you can go through this preparation, but yet sometimes when it comes time for game time, you you don't do what you've been trained to do. So um, I agree with you, like, you know, take every warning as it's a serious warning. Um, you know, for example, sometimes um in our building the fire alarm will go off. Yeah. And you know, you know, the first time it happened. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll get out of the chair, take the elevator down, or not the elevator, take the staircase (laughs) down and go. But then, you know, we've been in this building probably five years. And now every time I hear the fire alarm, I just keep doing my work. But the one time it's going to happen, it's going to be a real thing. So, you know, I I agree with you. So I think I'll practice what I preach and I'll start, you know, if I hear the fire alarm, I'll go down the stairs and I'll I'll go to that meeting place instead of thinking, ah, it's just another false alarm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, it only takes one time for you to regret not doing what you're supposed to do so um exactly. when i was looking through the questions for today one kind of popped out and drew my interest more than the others because i have no clue i don't know yeah i have no clue what it is because i don't think i've ever heard it or seen it so why would residents receive boil water orders
1: so there are a few reasons why you would see so uh, usually when there's a pressure drop in the system That means the water is unsafe or contaminated, and they don't want to put anyone at risk, especially weakened immune systems. So they give you the advice to boil your water for at least five minutes, you know, get all the the toxins or anything Mm -hmm. that could be in the pipes out of the water because the water is no longer pressurized.
0: Oh, that makes sense. So, you know, when I I was a kid in California, sometimes... um, water was scarce meaning sometimes you know you go through these droughts or they're going to say hey you're going to have to start rationing water and i see my mom filling up the bathtub with water i'm like what the heck are you doing she's like well you don't know when they're gonna not allow you to to use the water so i guess it's kind of the same thing but maybe in a different you know instead of boiling water we're filling up tubs so that we have drinking water Mm -hmm. um but no, no the boiling water makes sense um so these, you know, when outages happen, whether they are the ones that happen during the winter storms in Texas, or sometimes in California during the wildfires, power lines will go down, causing um, outages. So, who is ultimately responsible or liable for these outages?
1: Oh well, <laughs> listen to the news. No one is apparently. Everyone was just pointing fingers at each other. But ultimately, I think it's the lawmakers and the governor. They they appoint the uh, puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Public Utility Commission for Texas, and they manage ERCOT, the electricity managers of the grid in Texas. And they had the right or the authority to winterize the system back in 2010, and they did nothing to that. So they had a chance to prevent the storms from happening, but they didn't take their responsibilities as seriously as they should have
0: yeah you know it's interesting you know we were kind of joking about hey you know we used to do these tornado drills or earthquake drills in school and then when they happened we didn't nothing we didn't do anything because you're just used to these warnings you don't take heed but you know with utility companies i mean a lot of them they're warned about either having outdated equipment Mm -hmm. or things that need to be retrofitted brought up to specs but sometimes they kind of be like nothing's going to happen to where if it if it does occur, it's going to be a massive blackout. But look what happened here. I mean, you're right. Some of these things can be prevented. Another thing that kind of made my eyes pop out when I was reading or watching the news about the outages in Texas was like some of the utility bills that these individuals were being dinged with. Holy cow. I mean, I saw bills from, you know, some people were saying they were like $10,000, $12,000. I'm like, holy moly. Um, Because I guess it's I guess in Texas a little different different when you have or than most states because I guess you have a like a different I guess you have multiple de- electric companies. Yeah. So right. the state doesn't
1: run. It's all private companies. And just like the free market, they they're not incentivized to produce more energy until the price goes up. And when the price goes up, hey, we're gonna make money. So they produce more energy and send the bill to
0: us. Wow. I mean, I was blown away because, you know, here, I mean, I pay electric bill every month, right? It's usually more or less the same. I mean, depending on if it's really hot in the summer, if it's a really cold winter, it might go up. But at least I kind of know what I'm going to be paying every month. Um, But I guess there's some options where you could pay on demand, I guess, more like where, you know, when the demand's low, your price is is low. But then when it goes up, you (laughs) go up. But you know, as a consumer, you know, I, you know, it's kind of risky. It's like going to Vegas, right? Throwing the dice, seeing what happens. You know, you kind of have expectations where, okay, the demand's low, so I mean, I'm going to probably pay this amount. But even when the demand is high, I'm probably thinking I'm only going to pay X dollars. I would have never thought that I'd be paying in the thousands of dollars for, I mean, just a few days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I I think I saw one as high as like $17,000. And what happened is I think this, you know, individual, they had, I don't know, maybe they had auto payments set up and their credit card or their debit card was linked. That Mm. money was gone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, before, you know, at least if you had to pay in the bill, you could maybe be kind of, Fighters, dispute it, but, yeah. but I mean, just to wake up one day and holy cow, boom! You either see a seventeen thousand dollars charge in your credit card, or you see a seventeen thousand dollars debit from your account. I don't know. I am thinking the credit card would have been easier to to survive than a direct hit to your uh, checking account of of that kind of a uh, seventeen thousand dollars. So yeah. wow.
1: Could you imagine a down payment being taken from your credit card overnight?
0: <laughs> yeah, man, no kidding, man. That That's crazy. So, I mean, it's interesting how, you know, I learned a lot about the Texas and the utilities but throughout this uh, this ice storm because I, I learned about the, you know, that it was deregulated. I, I learned that, that you know, sometimes it's not always to go best with the demand option because, yeah, sometimes your, your cost can be low, but, you know, sometimes it could also skyrocket. So, holy moly. Um do you think anything was learned through this by the utility company and not just them but also the government? do
1: I think uh, honestly no I feel like <laughs> we, we we ask the public I have a short memory and if this winter isn't as severe as last winter, we'll be like, oh yeah, everything's fine no no worries, but hopefully this winter isn't as severe. we don't want the same issues again' saying it might right. be but I mean, I mean, you could hope, hope and pray people have learned their lessons and they change some laws to make it, I don't know, not as the wording, not as incentivized Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the companies to wait until the price goes up to use more power. Or even maybe share electricity with different states. I know Texas is on its own separate grid and they don't share with the eastern or western parts of the United States. So it would be nice if they could maybe change some laws so I could share with, if we're low on power, we could pull some electricity from a different state or something.
0: That's interesting. Kind of like how, you know, with California and water, you know, they share water rights with with other states. Um, An interesting thing um, is like, usually when I think, or if I lose power, I just assume that Power is from that grid is gone, right? Meaning like the electric company or something happened, or they're just not able to produce enough electricity to meet the demand. But yet here, when you're on this demand type pricing, and I'm paying twelve thousand dollars or whatever it is, it's amazing that I had electricity. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's I mean, it's just kind of funny to kind of think that okay, they had the ability to produce the electricity, but they didn't want to produce enough of it at X dollars. Mm. But when it gets to this dollar yeah hey yeah electric is flowing so um, interesting for sure. So what kind of steps or measures can be taken to kind of avoid this event from happening again in the future?
1: Well first they could winterize the power grid I know when,
0: when you say winterize power grids what, what are you referring to or what is what does it entail?
1: Well it entails that they're able to withstand temperatures below freezing for several days at a time. So I know in El Paso, they had an issue where they lost power through a winter storm, but they went through and winterized their portion of Mm -hmm. their grid. So they haven't had lost lost electricity since, because of the winter storm. But here in the Eastern part where it doesn't get as cold as it does in El Paso, being the desert, Mm -hmm. we haven't taken that into consideration in our Houston, Dallas, Austin, that area. So when it gets really cold, for a long time, which doesn't happen often, but when it does, <laughs> we, we pay for it with our grid not being winterized.
0: Oof, yeah, I can imagine that. So, you know, is on an individual level, you know, there's a lot of things I guess you can kind of take as precaution. You know, for example, living in Ohio, you know, the weather's cold, so you're used to it. Um, a lot of people might live in more rural areas, so they have to take I don't know, more precautions to ensure that if, you know, a bad storm comes through, their power gets wiped out. They have a backup. So a lot of people have generators, you know, that can either power certain utilities for X number of days or hours or power their entire house. Are generators common in in Texas where individuals will have them?
1: Not not outside of the rural areas. So if you live, you know, pretty much off the grid, (laughs) you might have you might have a generator. But no, they're not not very common at all. But a I few know. of my coworkers have went out and bought some because of
0: that. Oh, yeah, I have some friends out here that have done the same thing. And uh, I mean, they got some big puppies, man. I'm like, holy cow, those are some, they power the progressive field for the Indians, some of these <laughs> some of these generators. So, um, you know, yeah, it's been an interesting topic. I mean, you know, because natural disasters happen, right? But this was more of a natural disaster timed with some maybe miss steps that could have been prevented on the, at the human level um but nonetheless it was it was devastating to a lot of people um hopefully as you guys out there in texas make it through the winter that one you don't have those severe temperatures and if you do you know power is able to to stay on um, but it's been a great topic i've had a lot of fun talking about it so i thought you know maybe let's spend a little bit of time Obi, we'll kind of maybe on some more Light-hearted topics, you know, yeah. let the audience try to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so what got you into engineering? Was it something, a path that you knew that, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go be an engineer. Or did you take a path where you thought, eh, I'm going to be a, a doctor or something, or I'm going to be a, you know, an NFL quarterback. And then here you are as an engineer.
1: Uh, I went to a science engineering high school. So that kind of helped okay. push you in that general direction. But growing up, I've yeah, just been curious about how things work. I watched a documentary on the Big Dig, that project in Boston that was delayed and over budget. <laughs> and that, <laughs> and that inspired me to be an engineer.
0: Very nice. You know, it's funny. It's like a lot of times when people think of budget, they think of either over or no. When they think of a project, they think of it as over budget, behind schedule. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so it's a, it, it's a it's a good compliment, I guess. Um, so, Obi, let's say you went to the local high school. You got invited there for a career day. And a senior in high school walks up to you and says, Obie, you know, I'm thinking about um, going into the engineering field. You know, what should I do to prepare myself for that type of a career? And what would you respond to them?
1: Well, I mean, study hard, you know, stay in school. <laughs> the key ones there. But engineering is more just problem solving, really. If you have that mind, too, because once you get out of school, the problems aren't they don't have answers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me the answers are usually if we could afford it we can do it who's paying for it you know those are those are the answers but we need to find creative solutions that aren't always just spend more money you know so problem have that problem solving thinking critically and communication you know engineers aren't known for the communication skills you know we're known for being in the back office on the computer designing things but being communicative to your client Mm -hmm. to the public and your engineers will take you a long way
0: that's some great advice you know engineering has a lot of wonderful things about it it's such a broad field where like you can do just about anything i mean you can be a civil engineer or maybe you're a mechanical engineer you know you got Nuclear engineer. So it's nice in the sense that there's so many different paths, you know, so maybe, you know, you're like, ah, you know, I don't really want to be a transportation engineer, but oh, wait a second. I like bridges. I can go be a structural engineer. So there's so many different things that you can do within the engineering field to where it makes me feel like when I think about engineering, that maybe your days, every day is different. Um, for example, can you walk us through a typical day for you?
1: Yeah, every day is different. So typical day, unfortunately, a lot of meetings, that's mm-hmm. the life of any engineer. But um, if I'm not in the meeting, I'm doing a design. So I'm, I have a project that's about 43 miles in South Texas. Wow! And upgrading uh, two rural highway to like interstate standards. Mm-hmm. So that's its own task. I have another project where we're building uh, a bridge across a state line. So I'm working with two DOTS. And that's also a very interesting process. (laughs) Sure, sure. Every every state does things just a little bit differently. So it's interesting coordinating that process. And then I have a project in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where we're just kind of like widening a road to (laughs) two lanes. And I mean, everyone there is just real laid back and, you know, there's never a rush on that project.
0: (laughs) No, it sounds like you have a lot of different things going on. A variety is nice.
1: Yeah. So each day is a little different challenge.
0: You know Texas. I, I you know I I drive through it a lot. I used to. I usually back in the day I'd go from Ohio to Albuquerque for Christmas. So I'd always drive oh. through Texas. And one thing that always drove me nuts about the state of Texas is that in the night, and it maybe doesn't apply anymore, is at nighttime the the speed limit drops back down to seven to fifty five. Mm. Do they still do that after the sun uh, sets? that speed limit drops.
1: I don't believe so anymore. I believe once you get out of urban areas that's mm-hmm. the limit is just like if you're in west west texas it's 85
0: <laughs> 85 holy 85. cow maybe i do like texas
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's flat so just no
0: <laughs> right no i agree so i got another question for you so texas is home of the is it whataburger yes whataburger have you been to whataburger oh uh, as a
1: native yes of course all you right it's a rite of passage <laughs>
0: <laughs> so outside of texas have you been to like california have you been to new york yeah, yes I have. All right. So California is home of In N Out. Yes. Have you have you done the In and Out?
1: I have done the In and Out.
0: All right. Now here's a million dollar question, Obi, and this is gonna determine if you come back or not. <laughs> In and Out or Whataburger?
1: Ooh. Um, interesting. I think Whataburger, just because you have more variety there. You know, you could really customize the burger and make it your own.
0: All right, I'll go with that response. I was, I'm, you know, I'm an in-out guy, yeah, okay. but um, I, the answer was good. It wasn't just a, hey, Whataburger is better. It, it's the variety. So, so Obi, I will have you back based on that. Um, so, also being in Texas, you got a lot of sports teams out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So, when it comes to NBA, are you Mavericks, Rockets, or Spurs? Oh, Mass fan all the way. Okay, Don, Don-, Don- fan then, right? Yeah. Yes. All right, very nice. Are you also a Dallas Cowboy fans?
1: Unfortunately, yes, I am a Cowboys <sighs> fan. Yeah, that's good. Gonna-
0: <laughs> That's going to hurt our relationship a little bit, Obi.
1: <laughs> Browns or Bengals?
0: I'm a Browns fan. Okay. Um, Ohio, I try not. You know, I'm from LA, so I grew up being a, uh, a Miami Dolphins fan. Dan Marino was playing when I was a kid, but they haven't been relevant since. So, um, <laughs> I moved to Ohio in 04, and then I picked up uh, being a Browns fan. So it's rough being a Browns fan. I tell you, test your loyalty. That's for sure. So, <laughs> exactly. um, But, hey, you know, Obi, I've had a lot of fun with you today talking about, you know, power power outages and things like that. I'd love to have you back. Um, I know we're getting ready to go into the Christmas holiday. So if you want to share with the audience, what you, what are your plans for the Christmas holiday? Like, what is on your dinner table come Christmas Day?
1: Ooh, so I'm Nigerian. So it's a little bit different from the traditional American fare, but okay. we have a uh, jollof rice. You oh. know, it's like a, I know the contemporary to American food would be like Mexican rice, you know, I very like it. flavorful, very mm-hmm. seasoned rice. Um, we have suya, which is like Nigerian barbecue, more or less, it's seasoned meat on the grill. Ooh, And yeah, can't go wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just uh, other treats, puff puff, you know. Okay. It's- Fried dough, a little something sweet to uh, and, and dinner. So,
0: that sounds excellent. So, Obi sounds like you're in for a good meal. Yeah. But um, I'd love to have you back on here. We can chat more power. I'm sure there's a lot of other topics in engineering we can get into. Um, cool. For the rest of you out there, I hope you have a safe and merry Christmas. And we'll see you again right before the new year. Obi, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. <laughs>